0: Welcome to episode 49 of Control the Controllables. Today, we have Juan Beos and Bruno Agudo. Juan and Bruno were both coaches at Soto Tennis for a while. They were also both, have both spent time in the UK for for different reasons. They were both at University of Stirling, playing on 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 the university team there. And now Bruno is one of the national coaches at the National Academy in Sterling, And Juan has his own academy now in Sevilla, Spain. Today we're going to talk about the differences, the good parts, the bad parts. Uh, what, what each culture can learn from each other in terms of British tennis and Spanish tennis. The Spanish system has had great success over the last 25-30 years. I think we'll all agree that the British system seems to be starting to come to fruition more and more over the last few years. There's lots of great things that are discussed from competition structure to to character to to many different areas, including stories of Rafael Nadal. Juan played Rafa a few times when he was younger and shares his insights into that. I certainly love talking to Bruno and Juan. They're both great guys. And And I know you're gonna love listening to them, so I'm gonna pass you over to Bruno and Juan. So Juan Beaus and Bruno Agudo, welcome to control the controllables. How are you both doing?
1: Hi, Dan. Ah uh, well, thank you very much for inviting us. It's a pleasure to be here with you, and uh, and also conversing with you is always so it's nice and it's it's good to see you again. thank you for for calling.
2: Thank you, Dan. I agree with uh,
0: Bruno as always. Uh, thank you very much and i'm i 'm doing okay it's great to have you so so the listeners know the first voice that you heard is Bruno, and the second voice is juan and I reckon Juan sounds a bit more spanish so if you if you're struggling to know exactly who 's who um a little introduction for those that are listening um. I genuinely mean this. I love these two boys to bits. They're like family. Uh, they both worked at Soto Tennis for, for many years. Um, first and foremost, they're both amazing guys, amazing family guys, amazing tennis people. Uh, both of them played tennis to, to a really good level. I know Juan had had an ATP ranking of around about 980. Bruno was more than good enough to have an ATP ranking, but he was too intelligent. So he went off and, and took some extra classes at school. Um, Bruno is now a national coach at the National Academy in Sterling. Um, both Both went to Sterling University, and Juan is running his own academy in seville and what we 're going to talk about today, boys obviously you 've both got good experience of of the British tennis system and also the Spanish tennis system, so I thought it 'd be a fantastic conversation to kind of come around. Not to say anyone's better than the other, but just to compare, I think it'll be great insights for people. So, to start with, Bruno, let us know about, I guess, how your tennis started, your upbringing, um, where it was, whereabouts in Spain, how that was, and let's talk about that to start.
1: Well, I started, I started playing tennis, I think, a, a bit late. Uh, I was, uh, I don't really remember, but I think it was about nine, 10 years old and uh, i started in seville about that time uh, we were living in seville my family and um, and i think it was through my father my father had uh, played tennis when he was younger and uh, during the summer when when we used to go to the beach uh, we played beach tennis um, and he thought i was doing well that i was i had the ability to play so he put me in in lessons, and uh, and that's how that's how I started. Um, I started to play on clay, and the, the memories that I have is that very quickly, very suddenly, from a beginner, I was clearly a beginner. I started competing very very soon, uh, so I think it was a a matter of months that I was. Uh, already with the competition group and quitting in, in Seville. I even remember uh, Juan, when, uh, when we were 10 or 11, that he was one of the good players in Pineda, the club, the best club of Seville. And that, that's that's how, that's how it happened. After a, a year or so playing in Seville, I moved to, to Jerez, which is a bit farther farther in the south and uh, from playing on clay I changed to play on hard court, and uh, so for four years or so I, I was playing on hardcore every day training on a daily basis on hardcore. and then when I was 15 16 I moved back to still to train in the in the federation together with Juan as well and that was again back to, back to the clay so in terms of my tennis development I have experienced both yep. the beginning on the clay Going through the hardcore and then the clay again, which uh, we will talk about that uh, yeah. I think during the during the podcast. Absolutely, and the, the difference between the clay and the hardcore.
0: Absolutely. And Juan, when did when did you start? Were you an early starter or a little bit later? No,
1: time, I
2: was I was really late started, as well as Bruno, like nine years old, something like that. And I, but I, I, I was a sporty boy. I was all the time playing football, Juan. playing whatever, so I was doing a lot of things. My dad um, used to be a handball professional okay. player. Um, my family, a footballer as well. So, so my club was a good uh, good place to start playing tennis. It was a little bit late, but I improved really soon. I got my, with my age, maybe in three months, four months, I don't know, yeah. and I remember the first, first time they moved to the competition level or whatever at my age. I remember to that I lost nine yeah. zero. Uh, yeah. I was just in, in, so I think actually it started in September and in December, that was the uh, Christmas event or whatever. They moved to me and there was a competition and I lost nine zero, 0 and I was, I was so angry, but <laughs> one month after I probably beat the guy.
1: Right, so okay.
2: but I, I don't know, I really like it, and I, I remember when i I was like working hard, I love it um and yeah, and improved really soon, and when I was at age twelve, I was probably the best one in my in my club of my age yeah um, i from thirteen fourteen years old, I improved a lot, and I won the andalusia championship, okay. I compete between the best ten in in my age in Spain, but was really tough because was my generation was really difficult. Nadal, Marcel Granollers, Tomeu Salva, like really good. Pablo, players. Andujar. Pablo Andujar was my best win. I beat him in the national. Right, and first round seven five in the third central
0: court, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> you won't forget that one. Just before we go on to that, because there's there's going to be, I think my only issue with this podcast is I've only got an hour. You know, I think there's, I think there is so many great topics to to go on, and obviously being a being a British person who has lived in Spain for ten years, it it is a really hot topic, and especially when we talk about that era of male players you know, why they were so good. And I want to get into that. But the one thing that's already interested me is that you both started a little bit late. And is is that normal in Spain for players to start playing a little bit late? Because the first age category that you can compete in is under 10. I don't think so. I think there are like a lot of people who started a little bit early and
2: there are like all the clubs has possibility to start with four years old, five years old,
0: okay. but
2: I think it was just an interesting thing that we both started okay. that late. But that's true that there is no competition no. earlier, because I think and even now the national, the Spain federation wanted to make even later in order that
0: right,
2: okay. and make even less competition, like only one tournament per week.
0: Yeah.
2: You cannot play two tournaments at the same. Yeah. So different categories, they are trying to make a little bit even lower competition on those ages, which in that way, I think I'm not sure about it, because I think one of the good things of Spanish, um, it was that the people compete in a weekend, like two or three or six matches in one day or whatever, that maybe for the body in long term, it wasn't the best. But make people like
0: really tough and competing yeah yeah because why why i think it's interesting for me and i know both of you were in sterling for a while and obviously bruno you've been now back in scotland for 12 18 months in the uk you have people competing a lot age six seven like a lot a lot on, and, and obviously it brings us on to to the mini tennis, the mini tennis red, the mini tennis orange, the mini tennis green. What's your thoughts on that, Bruno? And is that something that was ever ever happened in Spain?
1: Well, when I started playing tennis, obviously there wasn't red ball or green ball yeah. or orange ball, and uh, and to be honest, I don't have a very clear opinion on 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 that. i I'm, I'm not sure if it's better or worse. Okay. to play with, uh, with the softer ball. I I guess if people are doing it, there, there must be a reason behind it. And obviously when the ball is, is traveling slower, it's, it's obviously making the player enjoy more, which is one of the main things. And the rallies are longer. So I guess for player development, it's good. Uh, but then again, if you, if you look at the top players right now, Djokovic... I don't think it started with orange ball uh, or red ball. Nadal, all, all these guys, uh, they started with yeah. yellow ball. But. I think anyway,
2: uh, I think the red ball and yellow ball or whatever, I think is a really good thing that is softer ball. But make competitions with different clubs, like a normal tournament with ranking at those ages, I, I, th- I don't really like it. I think it's a good thing to compete but in a really nice, like a game.
1: No yes. ranking,
2: just if you win, you get like maybe a cup or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, between maybe an inter club, yeah. uh, things like this, but not like a normal competition because it's so tennis is so long. And if you start competing with six, seven years and you give like a racket because you are a star already good and you feel like you can't get any present because of that, I think it's not,
0: it's not nice yeah. for, the, for the kids, I think, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, well, I was with I was with my little boy Matthew and and the and the solo tennis team in Valencia this week. And in the first round of qualifying, he played. A, I mean, Matthew's nine, but he's quite a big nine. On so on green ball, full court, and he played a seven-year-old. And this seven-year-old walked on court, and he looked like Rafael Nadal. He, yes. his um, his parents were more intense than. I've ever seen anybody like like unbelievably intense like during the point after the point all of those things and actually the kid was quite good until until Matthew hit a ball within if Matthew hit a ball within one to two meters of the baseline the the other boy had no chance no chance so 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 if if that match was actually played on an orange court where where in terms of the size, I guess the, the best education I ever had on it, I went to an education day and let's say, us as grown adults compared to an eight year old, we're 50% of their size. So what they did was they made the tennis court 50% bigger and the net 50% bigger for us as adults. And they said, now go and play tennis. So we're serving from the back fence, we're hitting over this massive net and it give a really nice perspective of, of Of what it is like for these young kids playing on a full court, you know, and that was definitely I have variable thoughts on it. I think the u k system is a little bit too dictated to, and it also is a little bit obsessive with the ratings and rankings and and these sort of things, but I also am a strong believer in from from game development, from injury prevention, from technical technical capabilities you know we're going to turn around the grip and be quite western on the forehand when the ball's bouncing on our, sh- on our shoulders and, and I just wonder if that that is if we take Nadal and we take these sort of guys when they were younger what is it that made that era so good and is, and is that sustainable for, for the Spanish system through, through the next few years?
1: I think, I think if, we, if we try to look at uh, just one single thing to explain the success, it's probably yeah. not the right answer. Is it that they were playing with yellow ball? Yes, that's true. But I think there are so many, so many reasons why that this particular generation is so good. Yes. Uh, and I, I think if we go now into the difference between British system and Spanish system, I think the main difference, and everyone would agree with that, is the weather yeah I mean we we have the weather you done now in in Soto tennis you've got three hundred days of sun a a year yeah right now I'm sitting down in the car I'm in Scotland and I'm looking at the sky not knowing if it's going to rain or not yeah and today what day is today the thirteenth of august fourteenth yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's it's something that in spain you you would not even think about you yeah, know yeah. you're going to have sun yeah. You know, you're going to lose a few days uh, a year uh, because of the, but the rest of the time is, is, is tennis. Yeah. So that helps a lot. And the involvement of the weather means that in Spain we play outdoors. Yeah. In the UK, performance tennis is played indoors. Yeah. There's there a big difference in terms yeah. of uh, in player development. The rallies are long, are shorter here uh the swings are shorter as well players are are used to shorter points so there's a a lot of things happening out of that yeah i don't know what you think about it uh, Juan.
2: yeah i mean obviously uh but that that thing as well can improve your tennis and your technique as well that the shorter you get a more ability with your hand that could help a lot but the tour at the end of the day is 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 out of the majority of the tournament so so that could be different but i think those times as well barcelona valencia because of the weather and because of years ago they have really good coaches a lot of people came and the spanish people um got a little bit of experience for other people who came to play with us so that one helped a lot of spanish people to improve because a a lot of different people came and played with with a lot of people rather than maybe in great Britain and other other countries only play between them maybe i don't know so i think
1: What, what you're saying is that because we had a good reputation we were attracting people To come to Spain and that also enrich our tennis as well because we got to play with all the different people as well with different styles and everything
2: okay that's it but at the other point now maybe Spain all the academies in Barcelona, Valencia maybe they have so many foreign people and they don't have a lot of Spanish people and there are not so many Spanish players playing now because Foreign people used to pay a little bit better than Spanish people, so they are more focused on foreign people. So I don't know if now Spanish people is Spanish players are similar to
0: what we had like ten years ago, something like that. Well, and, less players. And Juan, why why is the Spanish culture of of being so competitive? You know, if, if you think of a Spanish player, you think of a fighter. You think of someone who, you know, is is competitive, runs down every ball. what why is that? How how's that been able to be created? I don't really know. I think first of all, I think it's for the
2: for the main for the character of the Spanish, the how is called that um um uh, eh?
1: La Casta, la Furia española.
2: Eso más, mas, mas Furia más. The Spanish is a little bit more as soon as you fight, or uh, yeah. not fight in order that... Yes. You, you mean the Latin,
1: the Latin blood, no? Just more. Yes, that's it.
2: That, that was, it was like more Latin, more, Latin yeah. more, more, um, I think on those times, maybe they were able to, that energy to fight, to kind of like carry in a better way. Um, I think that one is massive important. Um, um, I
1: don't know. Maybe the clay court as well helps. Yeah. Um, because it makes everything. I hundred um, percent agree with you in the, on the on the clay core thing. I think the clay. Uh, I heard from one of the coaches who is helping at the at the academy. He's the he's the performance advisor of the of the academy here in Stirling. He's a Esteban Carril, who's got a, yeah. a long track record of of coaching a, a pro. He's, he's been coaching uh Conta Conta, um bautista so he's he's a yeah. really really good coach he 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 said to me once that coaching uh, sorry playing on clay is like having a an assistant coach right the clay is telling you so many things and it's teaching you so many things as you play
0: okay
1: obviously you have more time so you have you can get two balls that on indoors you wouldn't get. You, the rallies will go to neutral, from defenses to neutral, from attacking to neutral. So it's much, it's much more easy to develop players yeah. on clay yeah. uh, than on hardcore.
2: I think you have to be as well, the clay core help to use the core much more. You have to play deep and have to play short. I play deep, maybe I play more angles. The speed is not that um, important. I mean, obviously it's important. You develop a little bit more, even a spin, a little bit flat, a little bit yeah. a slice. When you play indoor or hardcore, uh, for me, the speed is the most, the most important thing. If you play fast and strong, it's really difficult to play the next one. So yeah. it's only one thing is really important. So. Yeah. If you develop Brilliant. a really good shots, clean shots, one, two, three, pam, 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 boom, see you later. If I miss, yeah. no problem. The, the other guy clay yeah. core, you ha- I think you have to develop a little bit more abilities to to and that develop you even tough, you have to be tougher because you have yeah. to suffer. Now I cannot win the point. The other guy don't miss, so I have to go
1: other things. So it involves much more physicality. Because the rallies are longer so it's tougher and you, you need to you need to get used to to be able to stay on the point to to work hard to the the point finishes there's is another one so physically physically wise is is tougher and uh, and also mentally uh, Juan was saying before that the points are longer that, that you use more areas of the core mentally uh, is telling you that you need to think more, and tennis is a thinking more. It's just yeah. more about finding solutions, uh, finding the right answer, uh, being aware of your mistakes, and then finding finding the the solution to that mistake. So, so it definitely the clay definitely helps. And also something about the the, the speed, the power, and uh, I agree with you that the speed is is very relevant on on the on the hardcore and and probably on the clay is is very important. The acceleration, which is in a way is speed, but it's it's more than speed.
0: I think if I bring my, we know how us British people like structure. So if I was to kind of bring like a bit of that British structure in of going, well, our our four performance factors. So if we look at the performance factors, we look at mentality, you know, if if the rallies are longer, if you have to do more to win the point, you 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 have to be more resilient. You know, I also think the scoreline, if you're five love up, indoor hard, the set's over. If you're five love up on clay, and somebody starts to break you down and find the patterns that are working, before you know it, 20 minutes later, you're five all. So I think from a mental standpoint, you do get tested in lots more ways from a physical standpoint and I'm just talking about the court what the court does for us here you know the assistant coach which I think Esteban puts very well from a physical standpoint the matches are longer the rallies are longer you have to create more power yourself so you've got to use your legs more you know you have to develop more leg load you know so, so it's taking care of that from a tactical point of view you have to be smarter you have to find ways of breaking your opponent down and, and then the last one, I, I think, and this is one that I'd be really interested to hear your guys' thoughts on, I think technically yeah. quite often the Spanish players aren't as good, actually, but I think yeah. on the clay court you have a little bit more time where you can have a little bit more exuberance with your technique to, to have your own different kind of takes on it because you can still get consistent contacts. Whereas in the UK, if you're playing on faster courts – you have to have really quite compact technique to be able to, like you're saying, get those consistent consistent, hits. So, it's 3-1 to Spain for the clay courts. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They've, they've taken no, us.
1: It's interesting think, what you said about the technique. Eh? If, you, if, you, if you look at the Spanish players, they, they all look so different. They all play so different, technically speaking. Yeah.
2: But yeah, but uh, I mean, but for example, now as the hardcore is usually slower and slower, the majority of the of the hardcore is getting slow, yeah. slower. It's not the same as 10, 15 years or 20 years. Actually, in the ATP, there is no tournament where the core is really fast. That, that is not happening anymore. Yeah. Or maybe one or two in the tour. Now it's slower. And, and I think now probably it's changing a lot because I remember to play indoors. In the UK, in Stealing, and the court is not fast at all at
1: this
2: indoor. Yeah. So that one, I think, is. We,
1: is we, to, to be honest, we, we're very lucky with the courts here uh, because <laughs> even though it's indoors, they are pretty slow and the ball kicks high. Yeah. Yeah. So at least you're getting the chance to to, to play at different heights yeah. rather to than always playing at the hip height or, or even the lower. <laughs> 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 when I play with with the wizard. With Alain McDonald, no?
2: Alain McDonald,
1: wow! Such a good player. <laughs> I play with him, and I say next
2: time playing clay court. He says no, I don't play in clay court.
0: <laughs> He's smart. He's smart. I have to. There's a couple of things that are re, is really on my mind. The first one is why hasn't the Spanish system been as successful for female players? Do you think as it has for male players?
2: So, I think it's not successful compared with the boys. Yeah. But it's still girls always have like maybe two, three girls in the top 100. I think that one is pretty good. It's decent. It's not like. Yeah,
1: and but and if, you, if you go back in time, you go to the 90s, we had that Ancha Sanchevicario, we had Conchita Martinez, yeah. we had Bibi Ruano, we had Maui Serna, we had. Quite a lot of players that were uh, yeah. good, maybe not as good as the as Nadal now that eclipses everything, but yeah. still very good.
0: I have an opinion Sorry. that I have an Sorry. opinion what? on it after being here for ten years. So if I take the Spanish the Spanish system, for lack of a better word, you know what I see is I see lots of competition. I see unbelievable fighters on the court. Everybody. You know, even like I say my boys playing competitions the last eighteen months, every eight year old fights, every nine year old fights, every twelve year old fights, every fourteen year old fights, every sixteen year old fights, you can you can get into any competition at any time. You enter a competition, you play a competition. It's less it's less strategic. Yeah. But what I also see, which I think suits males, is I see groups traveling together. You know, I see I see coaches at tournaments a lot more in Spain than I do in the UK.
1: Yeah, I agree with you on that.
0: On, 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 a, on a week-to-week basis, you know, not just talking about key national tournaments, talking about just local tournaments. Local tournaments, you've got a coach with three or four boys. And my theory on it, and please dispel this theory, shoot me down, you know, all of these different things, is in general, boys like to travel in groups and like camaraderie. And like, to push yeah. each, and like to push each other. Yeah. Whereas in general, girls like more one-on-one attention, 100%. like to do the things their own way. And maybe the Spanish Academy model doesn't, isn't conducive to that, is one of my thoughts. I completely agree, Dan. I never
2: thought about it, but 100%. 100%. Because when I was a player, we had some girls, that, to be honest, they like the the group and the staff but not not that much and and when i work with girls at the end of the day obviously there are less that's for sure but they prefer to be a little bit more or even there in group there are always some fight i don't want to play with that one i don't want to play with this one that doesn't happen in, usually with boys and if, if that happens the coach can say like you Do not want to play with with this one, but you're gonna play six times. And with the guys, you cannot do that. Yeah. Usually, usually.
0: And I have to stress it's a generalisation because yeah. somebody who we all know very well, Ali Collins. So if Ali's listening to this, which I'm sure she will, because she loves you guys to bits as well. Ali, Ali came to the academy, and what she wanted is she wanted to travel in a group you know so it is a generalization you know and it does it does work for you know for somebody like Ali being in a group is fantastic but in general i do think that that's that's the case to quickly shift a topic and again the listeners will kill me if i don't mention this you mentioned that you guys were brought up with to be honest i stopped listening at rafael nadal because he's such a superstar that there's lots more people what can you share with us about Rafa as a junior, and and I guess how how good did you guys think he was? Did you would you have picked that he was going to have the amazing career that he's had?
1: Well, uh, I think one you you played against him, didn't you? When uh, yeah, I played. When you were 12, maybe thirteen, 12, twelve, something like that. I never played against him. I being in the same tournaments where he was, and um, I just remember that he was just a normal kid. Yeah. Normal kid playing football uh, in his spare time, doing, being with other kids, just completely normal. He was just so good at tennis. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, I just don't, uh, don't think he w- he was, he was any different than any other kid. He was doing a normal life.
2: But I played with him when I was 11. Yep.
1: Uh,
2: I qualified for the tournament, and after I played with him first round and I asked him like 100 things before, before because it was one number six. Like, how many hours you play during the week? Yeah. How are you studying? Are you, you know, when you're like 11 yeah, or yeah. something? And he was answering me, yeah, no, I play. And he, he was studying, keep studying. He was playing maybe, I don't know, six hours more than me during the week or yeah. spa, I, I was playing. So it wasn't like much more. And after I played with him under 15, yeah. Um, he, knew, he knew me, I was first round, that was a killer because he got a white car, and I was number seat 8 oh. he got a white car, and he put me down. and I played with him and I was playing really, really well those times. Um, and he, he was in first round and I regret because I didn't enjoy that much because I was so upset that right. I was playing with him. But yeah, yeah. I play like angry from the first moment, but that angry that suddenly I start playing well was six two yeah. for him six one. And I was two zero up or one zero advantage. I play my best point, play to his backhand, go to the net. You know that I never go to the net. <laughs> he played to my volley. No, no even to shake
1: hands with the opponent. Yeah.
2: I played my probably my best volley backhand cross court and he ran. Boom, banana shot. <laughs> and jumping come on vamos but, yeah. <laughs> to my face and from that moment I think I didn't make, I didn't make more than two points and, and even from the first game, even first game he did a pump up like yeah, yeah. showing me that like, I'm here don't, don't think even that you can compete me, yeah, like yeah. really from the beginning like that energy the same energy as you see yeah, yeah. when he was 17, 18, 19 from yeah, a guy but- who knows he knew that he was going to beat me, no chance. But he was like, from the really first moment, vamos, every point, looking at her, uh, his coach, all the time. So it so was like, wow.
0: And how wow. important, Bruno, how important, Bruno, do you think that we talk about tennis players, forehands, backhands? We talk about serves, we talk about tactics. How important is that, that X factor, that ability to bring your character on the court? And, and is it is it spoken about enough in tennis?
1: I think uh, one of the things that obviously from my point of view are so important in a place is the passion. We were talking before about one player in particular uh, that I was saying that passion is it's is really important to have that passion and uh, if you if you have a look or if you you scratch a bit in the surface right now do the players the players at your academy for example Soto the players at your, at your academy do they watch tennis when they get home
0: I mean or, I, you, I I know I know exactly what you're saying Bruno and I know exactly the ones that have the passion and exactly the ones that don't
1: yeah so that, that is what drives you uh, in a day-to-day basis, day in, day out, that's what I would say, yeah. so the tennis academy would say. Uh, if you don't have that passion, it's, it's really difficult to, to to put everything into it. Absolutely. So I think we, we, we're trying at the academy, we're trying for the kids to, to be more aware of that. I think it's really important to watch tennis on the TV, to Definitely. to see to see the players, to see what the players do, the male and the female, to see the technique of the players, to see the tactics, to see the solutions that they find, to see what they're going through. Uh, I think that's, that's key and very important.
2: And more important for me is to listen to coaches, not even in the, in the moment that one is playing and the coach is speaking to him. Is the one that maybe there is two coaches having a coffee or watching a match and the players sit down close to the coach and listen everything what the coach is saying to the, to the other coach. Oh, I remember that I, I loved. I loved to, to, to be close to other coaches. And I remember Galo Blanco, he uh, was a coach and with Juanse and a couple of guys. And I was trying all the time just to be around them to learn. And, to, and when I was a player, if someone, someone of my team was playing um Apart from that, I wanted to watch, but I wanted to watch close to the coach because I'm pretty. I was pretty sure that I was learning something. But even yeah. I didn't think about I'm gonna be close because I'm gonna learn. Yeah, it's just yeah. that passion was in me. Now, now my players, for example, I'm play. I'm watching a match and the players are moving, go, go. Come on, guys, you're like oh, young. Yeah. Stay here and, li- and listen because. That moment that he's uh, 30, 40 and he'd make a double fall, uh, you are going to do tomorrow. And maybe if you're close to me, okay, that's normal. Uh, that happened now. You go to the towel, think, pam, 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 and you can learn. And now you can see the difference between one and the others. And the majority of the young people, I think now, they don't have that. They prefer to be, with, or they are close to you and they're with the phone. And yeah. they're asking you every five minutes.
1: Social media.
2: I mean, how how you can say that? What is the score? If you like, you ask me like two yeah. minutes ago, and he's like, yeah. mm, like break points. Like, what did you say, man? Yeah, yeah.
0: what well, to and feel? That, that me. To feel it. To feel a tennis match. You have to know the score. and You have to know exactly what's yeah. happening. Yeah. But, o- otherwise, you don't have the context. Yeah. You don't have the context. I, I think it's it's such a great point that you guys make on that. You know, and, and, and the word that comes to my mind is curiosity and if i think of certainly the greatest british player who by the way to the listeners were working hard to get onto the show he he never stopped watching tennis he never stopped being at tournaments you know dan evans as well british number one right now he was at tournaments from seven o'clock in the morning till seven o'clock at night watching should have gone cross-court there should have sliced there this is how we we really learn, but without the passion, without the curiosity you you can't just keep telling players to do that because they they they're, they're, they're going to resent us and they're, they're not going to do it, so we have to install that passion. but that seems to be there in from my eyes, that seems to be there in abundance in Spain
1: going back to the on, to the difference uh, between t- british tennis and and uh, spanish tennis I, I think Danji said before all the tournaments. Yes. And, uh, and it is true that the, the network of tournaments that we have in Spain that you are able to play every single weekend is a is a massive advantage. Yeah. Also, you have so many tournaments that you can even pick where to play. You go to Malaga, you go to Sevilla, you go to Cadiz yeah. um, and, and just the fact that you're playing always against different people, that you're competing in a in, in a daily basis. Uh, not long ago. Leo, from the, the head coach of the academy, uh, where I work right now, um, he said that he's he's been coaching in, in the USTA, USTA before. So, he's his uh, friends with uh, Jose Guerras, with um, Ivan Lendl, and all these yeah. great, great names. And one of the things that Ivan Lendl said to him was that the player needs to play 14 sets per week. Right. Uh, so apart from the technical work, apart from the, the, the drills and all the baskets that you would do, the play in the afternoon is to do his session of match play. Just to to feel to feel uh, yeah. playing. Yeah. It's actually happening. Yeah. So 14 maybe 14 is too much, but 14 is is two sets per day. Yeah, yeah. Which is not a crazy idea
0: no oh, it's not but well, we've got we've got a young player at our academy right now who in the last 5 weeks has played 23 tennis matches That's now awesome. now we've then got 16 year olds at the academy who over the last 5 months have played zero tennis matches <laughs> you know and it's like and and again it comes back to this action speak louder than words you know that, that you have to be out there competing um or, or I cannot imagine man. I cannot imagine
2: that first match that he plays after 5 months like he cannot hold the racket for sure at least for me no,
0: it's, it has to be normal we have to normalize competition yeah for yeah. sure one one challenge on spanish and and yeah i'm going to challenge it is if i think of if i think of spanish tennis over the last few years um there being the best competitors are up there with the best competitors in the world. And they've learned to put lots and lots of tennis balls in the tennis court. As the game evolves and is evolving, you know, the game's evolving into being a little bit bigger hitting a little bit more high risk. You know, you, you have to have weapons to, to be hurting. Do you think the Spanish system will go with that or do you think the spanish coaches the spanish system will be will be stuck in its way that it's been in for the last 25 years and i guess lastly is that going to be enough to keep producing top spanish players juan um i mean that's a really interesting question because
2: i think i think now the the top players obviously they evolve a lot they change the way yes they're playing for sure like for everyone Um, But I think at the end of the day, that discipline when you are like younger, like 10 to 14, 16, that playing a little bit like old times, that brings you a little bit more, for me, more base, more foundations, as you usually call, like the house first and after the TV and all those things. So I think that Spanish way, I think it's not going to change so much. But probably as soon as they improve a little bit more and they start in 15, 16, 17, that start a little bit more focus on those weapons to adapt to the new tennis, I think. I think, I'm not sure, maybe not. Maybe maybe you go to another academy and they think that from the beginning they have to try to play five, six shots all the time. But I don't really think that will happen. And from my point of view, that wouldn't be a good idea i prefer foundations first yeah and get solid get get those you say strong legs good stand all those things and after when you get that one and you know to make 10 balls let's try to win the point in eight when you make eight let's try to make in six yeah but at the beginning i think has to be more
0: discipline that yeah so what so what you're saying is you're you're saying up until probably the age of 16 actually the spanish way is developing those fundamental areas of of head heart legs you know ultimately you know ball ability to repeat ability to you know not not break down ability to have resilience ability to play with physicality and then as they get a little bit older they, they start to then, as Rafa has done, you know, Rafa has noticeably changed the way he yeah. plays in the last four or five years. He's now very much more aggressive in the early phase of the point. He serves yeah. better, you know, all of these things than maybe he used to five years ago. What do you think on that, Bruno?
1: Well, the, the answer is clearly Rafa Nadal. I mean, yeah, you see how he has adapted from... From yeah. the, the player that he was to the player that he is right now, yeah. I I think in a way he was always being aggressive, but now he's is much more dominant right now. Yeah. I think that's the answer. You you can you can you can learn the basics, have a have a very good uh, knowledge of tennis and a very good understanding and awareness of of the tactical situations, and then become more aggressive. I think it's. I don't think. One thing cannot go with the other. I think they can go together definitely I think
2: aggressive is not the word because aggressive he always has been like really aggressive or the, or or Ferrer or whatever always that aggressive, but riskier I think that yeah. that that time to say, okay, if I nothing happened. I have to go to the line yeah. uh, that one maybe is the change before maybe the, maybe I'm the difference but uh, one
1: uh, is big. Aggressive is, as I said, he's always being aggressive. Now he's maybe more offensive now.
2: Yeah, I can, yeah. And I said the risk. Before, there was a moment that Rafa, important point is like, yeah. I know, I'm going to make a line, but I'm not going to miss. I'm going to play really aggressive, like one meter from yeah. the really margins or a lot of Spanish, yeah. and I'm not going to risk it that point until it's going to be like really, really, really clear. Yeah. Now it's like, okay, I save and it's a little bit short, boom.
1: Uh, going back to the difference between British yeah. and Spanish tennis. I think w- one of the main difference we've, we've talked about the weather, which is the most clear one. We've talked about the clay, we've talked about the tournaments. We've talked about the heritage of, of having so many players and so many coaches here in Spain that are bringing the philosophy and evolving the philosophy and adapting it and, and getting it better. And I think one of the things, one of the key points as well is, is the club. We've got so many yeah. clubs in Spain, yeah. big clubs with many courts and very good coaches in almost every club. Whereas here in the UK, not sure it's because of the weather, but the club is, is, is a smaller. Yeah. There are less clubs, point, less yeah. courts and probably less coaches as well. Yeah. I'm not sure if you would agree with that.
0: No, I would completely agree with that. And I, and I think the second thing that I would agree with on that. And, and almost add to that is a, a tennis coach in Spain isn't doing the job to necessarily make money it's it's quite a low paid job in Spain whereas whereas I think in the uk it's an hourly rate job so so what it ends up happening I think uk coaching in general is lessons you coach lessons whereas I think in Spain coaches coach players
1: it's a full-time job
0: it's a full-time job so so what tends to happen a lot in in Spain from from my experience over the last 10 years is you've got a lot of coaches like Juan like a lot of really good coaches who who are really focused on developing tennis players and and who receive a monthly fee to, to do that so it's not it's not you pay me 20 euros 30 euros 40 euros for this one hour because we can't develop tennis players in one hour <laughs> we develop tennis players by spending time with them in the car at the dinner table at tournaments watching them under pressure and and, and that's I, I just think what a tennis coach is and i think it might be linked into the club feel and the fact that there is these yeah. clubs um is that, that's how I would see it. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's how I would see that, yeah, point that and expand that, on that. That point. makes
1: makes hundred percent sense and, and and it links with something as well that, that is very common here, which is the private the, the philosophy of the private sessions. Yes. So Absolutely. players don't don't play with each other. They just have yeah. private lessons with a coach, so they don't have under-supervised tennis, which yeah. is yeah. the moment where you can experience, when you can experience your slides, when you can do your your drop shot, when you can have fun.
0: Yeah.
1: And I think that's a very important uh, thing that in Spain we have. For example, in, in Jerez, which is my hometown, there is a club called Club Nazaret. The players are drop-off after school, three thirty. Yeah. And picked up. Nine ten p m yeah, yeah, maybe not maybe not ten p m but eight thirty uh so they are the whole afternoon there, yeah playing, they are doing their homework as well, they are watching other people playing, they are having time to play with themselves, and that is I think so important, a because they experience and they they have the chance to experiment with each other, but also yeah. because they enjoy they are having fun absolutely it's not that serious yeah Yeah, that's,
2: that's what michael joyce was the name uh the coach was like he won a tournament i don't know which tournament i said like i don't remember the guys who i beat i remember that i was enjoying to be there playing cards playing whatever after and that one in spain i think that's a really good point you are usually at least what i know you just went to the club and you play maybe two, three hours and you stay in the club and then maybe you play another, you you do the homework waiting for one lesson or to the other. It's not like one hour and after I wait another hour and you you were like in a group usually, especially with, I never had a individual lesson until I was like 14 or 15. And maybe because uh, the other guy had to study, it was a group. and So, but now for Uh, example, that that, that doesn't mean that
1: we don't do the individual work with the players so for example yeah. if we, at the academy here at the academy we have two plays per court you have time to go and individualize the job even if they are doing nine oh. drill everyone is is doing a specific thing of course yeah
0: um, of course uh, bruno i'm conscious of your time i have two more quick topics um and before before you go yeah. if i can grab five or six more minutes Training, training techniques. I remember when I first moved to Spain, a coach, Fernando Gill, who I know you guys will both know. He said to me, you British coaches are the best coaches in the world. He said, he said, in Spain, we're rubbish. We only have four drills. He said the, he said the first drill and he was making fun of me. He wasn't, he wasn't being serious. He was making fun of me. He said the first, (laughs) he said, he said the first drill, I stand in the, in the juice court on the baseline and the player, I move them around, they hit the ball back to me. Second drill, I stand in the advantage court, I move the player around, they hit the ball back to me. Third drill, I come to the net in the juice court, the player hits to me and I volley back and, and I move them around with the volley. Fourth drill, I go to the advantage side in the net and they hit and I volley and then they make the move and they hit back to me. He said, you British coaches he said you have a drill for everything he said you're incredible how you can you can think of a drill for everything and the point that he was making is that british tennis coaches tend to tend to complicate things so yeah. if we take your upbringing what type of training did you do and what type of training do you believe in
1: i think sure there's another thing that I, I wanted to say and we haven't mentioned. Um, when we talk about tennis in Spain, what people want to say, I think they don't say, but what people want to say is Barcelona because the capital of the world of tennis has been Barcelona yeah. for the last 30 years. Yeah. Uh, so anyone who's been in touch or has had the chance to have a coach that has been somehow linked to Barcelona and the area yeah. has had the opportunity to live that experience and that, that, that way of understanding tennis yeah. I had the chance uh, I had one, a couple of coaches who who were in Barcelona, I think yourself Juan you've been working in Barcelona but also uh, had yeah. coaches who were from Barcelona, correct me if I'm wrong yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I agree with you Dan in the The knowledge of British uh, coaches is amazing and and Spanish coaches, maybe they do things a bit more simple. and uh, from my point of view or what I'm trying to do is trying to learn as much as I can from British tennis and from British coaches to try to incorporate what I think is useful and uh, find solutions that I cannot find with the simple approach. One, I think, I think. Um,
2: for example, you coach a play a British player with eleven years old or ten years old, and you ask some questions, like tactically and those things, and they usually know. They answer you, and you and I always like wow, this guy knows. This guy knows, and the Spanish probably don't know, but he, he does. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like. You yeah. you ask him, like, oh, what well, do you have to play? No, I have to play cross-code because it's longer called, yeah. blah, blah, blah. The British prefer. <laughs> um, and you, like before, in general speaking, uh, you, yeah. play, you play you cross-code. And you say, like, why why that show? I say, like, I don't know. I play <laughs> there. And that's it. That's, so, I think with that one is where, like, the coaches and the, sometimes the Spanish kind of, like, make those, the Spanish coaches make those drills and without thinking. Like specifically, what is the target of that? Uh, what is the content and everything? Is just do it. Yeah. And the British a little bit more. They want to control everything.
0: Yeah. I
2: think that's the that's that's my feeling. Okay. And yeah. and I think that one is not is not even why is that?
1: The yeah, Spanish
2: yeah. Is like uh, whatever I do whatever because uh, I saw and yeah. and nothing like try to to get everything in details. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that I think could be a really balance or a good yeah. balance there. Um, for example, one I was in Holland with uh, Simon and Anna, and and Simon was playing great, and I was doing basket like a lot of basket. Yeah. And one Australian coach came to me and said like, "Why, why are you doing so many, so many baskets?" I said like, mm, "I don't know. Is what I usually do." But let me think, and I was thinking for two minutes. I said, like, yeah, because you control the charge, you control the number, you control the intensity, you send the ball specifically where you want to go, and I make it tougher. And I want to be, I'm with this kind of drills. I can have this guy like two hours on the court. And that's what I want. And choose the intensity with drawing. If he wants, he miss, and stop the ball. Blah blah blah. But that one helped me to understand your, yeah, yeah. your, your question before, that the yeah. Spanish kind of like do drills because it's what he used to do and not think about it too much. Yeah, yeah. And maybe British, for my opinion, maybe thinking too much and look for so many
0: things. Yeah, very good. But answer. Sometimes it's just play. Yeah, that's good. Very good answer. And my, my last one with you, Bruno, while, while I've got you, and then I'm going to keep you for one for a couple more minutes. If we were to take the best bits of both cultures, because I think the one thing we can say is, you know, if we take the UK's game now, I think they've had a lot of very successful juniors. You know, we're starting to now, I think there's four or five top hundred players in the world on the men's side, three on the women's, you know, certainly doubles. There's 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 met there's hundreds of them. Um so there's there's good on the British side. Obviously, the Spanish record speaks for itself. What's the perfect blend of of Spanish culture and UK culture?
1: We were talking before about the passion. And how yeah. the passion in Spain is is high, and how everyone is really motivated. Now that I'm here, and I've been here almost for two years now in in Scotland, in the UK, I really feel that there is a there is a desire of things getting better, yeah. and there is there is a lot of people working really hard, and a lot of people, and obviously the federation investing a lot of money into the sport. So. I think things are getting much better in the British in the British system. So we've said yeah. that the Spanish system is very good and and valid, but the British system is is good as well and it's getting better. What what things could I pick? I I I would say the discipline of the Spanish uh, player yeah. and the Spanish system in general. Yeah. The, the the depth of of knowledge of the of the British system. Yeah. That would be for me the the main the main two points. Very good, Bruno. If we can you, combine that with clay courts.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You, Bruno, you go. You've got to jump onto court. Juan, you can answer the, the question, and I've got a couple more questions, and Juan can do the quick fire on behalf of you, Bruno. Bruno, it was a, a real
1: pleasure to talk to you guys. Thank Thanks, you, man. thank you, Dan, for the possibility.
0: Thanks for your time, man. We we could have gone for hours. It's been awesome.
1: Thank you, Bruno. Stay in touch, Bruno.
0: Take care, man. Take care. Bye, bye. Thank you. What about you, Juan? On that, I think I think Bruno. Bruno said
2: uh, a couple of points. I would add uh, the speciality, specific the British used to bring, like the individual lesson that we kind of like uh, disagree before. But I think a mix could be really good. Like imagine that the player made eight sessions but maybe five in groups and three individual or that yeah. rate rather than maybe five individual or six individual and three groups as yeah. I, I mean i cannot speak that much about the british tennis because i spent only two years and yeah. i was a player and i saw a little bit but yeah. i don't have that experience maybe in london or in whatever yeah. other place but i work with you in two years so I, it's kind of like as well i can see
1: yeah. a
2: little bit but um, I think that one is a really good thing. And I try to bring to my academy actually, try to make more individually, yeah. some, some lessons. Um, and after, I think now it's changing a lot because the Spanish system, I'm not pretty sure that is in that good moment now because the federation, national federation is not working anymore. The region federation they don't. They are like academies, which I don't think they're good. Um, um, and the clubs and the academies are a little bit more focused about earning money rather than developing players yeah. now. Um, is which is because now there are academies. Before, yeah. like ten years ago, there were clubs
0: where right, okay.
2: usually one director of the club uh, got one really good player, got a really good passion. Um, Keep going with this guy, and maybe after turn pro. Now it's just more academy directly,
0: okay. which okay. I don't
2: think is a really good thing for the Spanish system in the future.
0: Yeah, I don't no, know. Yeah, so no, it's,
2: the, the, it's the, club, the club culture is a little is losing a little bit that power. Right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> when and you're I... 13, 14 years old, the players or even twelve. Yeah, as soon as is the best, moves to an academy. uh maybe don't play for the club that much and he's losing a little bit of power i think
0: which is i think is is a shame and in terms of like obviously it's a big discussion in the uk about players getting funding players getting selected to go to the national academy players getting selected to go to regional performance centers Yeah. What what is the Spanish system and is there any funding available, financial help available for players in Spain?
2: Now I
0: know he it was changing. I don't know now
2: how is the Spanish Federation now because I think they want it to change, and actually the big academies, Nadal, Ferrero and a couple of things, yeah. they want they want that the player get the funding and rather than being <laughs> coaches. Of the national yes. federation, those guys get the funding and choose which academy to go, yeah. and the funding pays the the academies. Yeah. Which in one way I can understand, but could be tricky as well because if, uh, the, those why those academy, or maybe any academy could be, but that one could be a little bit dangerous. Um, but now I'm not, and to be honest, I'm not, I'm not really close of that. Of the Spanish Federation, I know the andalusia Federation that maybe they funding the best of the andalusia, maybe but not with too much, but maybe free free expenses for the coaching training, maybe okay. even the the living and they have to pay the tournaments obviously, but that helps to bring other players who pay and uh, bring more money and and earn money which I'm no I'm not hundred um, percent I don't like those things because you are using uh, funding yeah. <laughs> like public public uh, money to bring players to earn more money privately actually so it's a kind of like a mix which
0: you uh,
2: get it. it's a grown a grown competition to the academies because yeah, has more chances to get good players and the good players bring other players for sure. So that could be right, okay. That that is 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 um is a thing to that we can speak yeah. like for hours.
0: Yeah, but I but I guess I guess the big thing for listeners, certainly listeners in the UK, there's not as much funding. There's not as much money no, in the Spanish no, Federation. No, as no,
2: the, no, no, no. Definitely not that's the that's the main problem, that there are no yeah. no there are no money. Yeah. They are really, really, really little money, and they are using for really specific and no hundred percent like yeah whatever free play tournament whatever you want no no hundred percent no.
0: Very good. Uh, to, we've we've Bruno for those listening. Bruno kindly gave an hour in between his his lessons at the at the National Academy up in Sterling. I was gonna try and get a few more questions and, and answers about the National Academy in Sterling from Bruno, but as he's no longer here, I'm just gonna make it up, and I'm gonna just say no, I'm not really. Um, but yeah, <laughs> we 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 can't get too much more from the academies, and just that kind of comparison. But I think I think we've talked on some great subjects, and I, and I think you know ultimately, for me this is this is a really educational podcast Juan you know and i think you know me and you have had lots of conversations over the years yeah. and I, and i've certainly learned so much in my 10 years here and i and i continue to learn but there is people that are listening to this that have zero idea you know they have no idea what really happens ultimately it's still a bunch of human beings that are trying to get better at tennis and what that brings it's still whether you're spanish or you're english or you're scottish or you're egyptian we we still all have the same emotions the same things that we have to deal with and 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 i think that would be my thing that the the differences are quite subtle you know you still you still have moody teenagers you still have difficult parents you still have people that don't have money you still have all of these things but but probably the best thing that I've taken away from this chat is is that assistant coach the clay courts are like an assistant coach And and and, and I and I do think that actually the competition structure is and this is the last thing I know we've touched on it but the competition structure here I also believe is like an assistant coach a little bit because it's in, in Andalusia which is the region that myself in Sotogrande and Juan in Sevilla uh, uh, are living and right now, there's three. We did a we did a study and there's 361 tennis tournaments in our region a year. That's so, so there's seven every weekend. There's seven tournaments, you know, with within our region, and and that. I think can just be taken for granted. And I think the big point I'd like to make to the listeners, Juan, and please jump in and add your opinion on this, it's players aren't strategically playing tournaments. So what I mean by that, it's not, okay, I need to play that tournament to get those points, to get that ranking, to do this. It very much seems to me like people are playing tournaments, players are playing tournaments here to get better. Because that's part and part of the process to compete and get better. I'd love to get your kind of insight into that. Whether that is the right way of thinking, of there is more challenges than I see.
2: I think um, I think that is was used to be, especially. Yeah. But now, for example, with the um, with the American university scholarships and those things, is kind yeah. of changing. Yeah. Because players already, when they are fourteen, they have like really clear idea. That they want to go to the States. So yeah. they are starting to know how to play those points. I have to get that ranking. I have to, and they are making a little bit too much pressure on them, yeah. especially the parents who are at the end of the day, they are who who has to pay for those. Yeah. And so that one, I think, is not helping to the system. I yes. think it's changing a little bit. Um, but it's the way it is. We cannot change. So we probably, Need to try to educate
1: yeah.
2: those players that the ranking is important. And I'm yeah. trying to do with a couple of players who I have that the most important thing is to, yeah, to improve and to get the competition and to get better. And if you get better and you improve and you learn, you're going to get that ranking for sure. And if you get like 20, 20 less uh, ranking, uh, that maybe you speak with the coach and you get that scholarship because the, the coach can see you, that you have that that um, that passion yeah,
0: and, absolutely.
2: That, um, and that learning and, that, and that, that thing. So I think that's um, a challenge for us now yeah, absolutely. To, to, to get that one because I think it's changing that culture. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, the tournaments, for example, there are a lot of tournaments in, in Andalusia, but even there are less than what used to be. Right, okay. There used to be more money tournaments, more, a tournament, more um, but it's still, a really, there are a lot which yeah. we have to be, we have to be happy with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know yeah. if I answered.
0: No, very good, Juan. And I think it's uh, just Spanish. Anyone Spanish listening that's involved in, 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 tennis, go carefully because it's a monster. The rankings are monsters, you know. And it's I. A monster it's a monster and 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 I'm starting to see it with the UTR you know I I liked UTR at first but now I'm starting to see people get obsessed with UTR like they did with LTA ratings in the UK and and for those listening that that's the route that you're going I promise you get better be a good person and and these coaches are sophisticated enough to find that out you know if you're if you're improving you're developing a game identity, you're developing your game, you're a good person, you work hard, you wanna be part of the team, you know, you've got a good story, you're showcasing all of these things. I do believe that these US college coaches now are looking a little bit deeper than just a, a number. You know, and they're, you know the reference. I know that I've given references for players, and they've got ten thousand euro, ten thousand dollar better scholarship just from that conversation. You know, because they do really value you know that human touch as well so the, we are told about the utr but it, you you get better and if you're good enough then that'll take care of itself you know i have i've have no doubt on that so please go carefully spanish tennis because one of the things i love about it is just it's it's nice it's raw for those listening if you start a tournament on friday you enter via email by wednesday eight o'clock you know and that's yeah you know which is great you know it's a very relaxed feeling in terms of doing that but then highly competitive when you play whereas in the uk you have to plan for weeks in advance and it just feels a little bit more serious um tradition quick fire now okay if uh If your voice notes are anything to go by, Juan, you don't do things by quick fire. You know, you... (laughs) (laughs) If if anybody knows Juan, they've definitely received a famous Juan voice note before, so that'll make sense to some of you. (laughs) Um, Spain or UK? Spain. Tournament or training? Um... It has to be
2: together, it's impossible to get separate but uh,
0: training during the tournament, between them. Very good answer. Baseline or net? Baseline always. <laughs> um, standing forward or standing back when you return serve? Uh,
2: really from the back, standing from the back but always thinking about moving forward.
0: Very good. Clay court or hard court? Always. Injury indoor even better. <laughs> injury, injury, timeout or not, should it be allowed to have an injury, injury timeout out, uh, when someone gets injury to the one minute and a half? Yeah, well the five minutes being able to bring the physio on court, should it be allowed? Uh, five minutes. Uh, f- mm, yes, yes. Why not? And one rule that you would change in tennis. Um, the coaching I think I think the
2: coaching is still uh, about maybe maybe with some changes and not like all the time you can speak with the player but some maybe 15 seconds every game or something like that
0: and for those listening Juan one of Juan's most famous what most famous Soto tennis moments is one of one of our players, Simon Ivanov, who Juan oh, yeah. did an amazing job with. At the all <laughs> the all England club, Wimbledon got a, got him a point penalty to lose his serve for coaching. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why he wants it open. But it's before we go, I think it is a good topic to talk about. It's unbelievable how much coaching happens in Spain. It's unbelievable. Yeah. In between yeah. points, during points. Like unbelievable. Whereas you go to the US, you can't you can't sneeze without being told of.
2: I I went uh, to Miami for a three or four ITF, and I was like, I was almost banded there. Like (laughs) the the, the one one referee wanted me to to go to the to go out of the club and say, what is happening? No, no, you are coaching. You are saying, and I I promise, I didn't do like. Compare what I usually do—nothing, like <laughs> nothing at all. I was like, like, um, like a priest there. So now, like, no. If if you're still doing the same, I'm gonna get out, like, from the from the from the core, and you out, and say, like, oh, what is happening? Take it easy
0: yeah uh, yeah <laughs> you know i i had the same at nottingham i t f nottingham i t f four or five years ago, and we got so we're so used to the spanish way now that i mean my nine year old boy played yesterday and in in the middle of the point, the dad and the coach was telling him no no, no that's a forehand hit a forehand and I was like what <laughs> in the middle of the point so so yeah. you get so you get so used to it and then in at nottingham i t f myself and one of the coaches we had about 10 warnings for coaching and and then i was with a gu- and all what i was saying to her was, come on here we go you can do it next point come on you know emotional coaching emotional yeah and, and one of the parents went crazy at me absolutely crazy yeah. and and our girl won the match and after the match the parent came over to me and was like shouting and screaming at me and i said look i it, it, actually what i did was in the rules you know, you yeah. what? If, what I what I said? I wasn't saying hit the ball to a backhand. I wasn't saying. I was just. I was just giving yeah. in- encouragement. You know, and and, and I think there's. I, I I'm with you. I think they should just open the doors to that. Uh, it actually sometimes coaches and parents will make it more difficult for the player to win because it's actually not yeah. easy to get good strong messages to our players, and it, it's a real skill to be able to do it. I remember in the Youth
2: Open, just before the match, that I went with Ricardo Heda for yeah, the quali.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. And suddenly, suddenly Ricardo came to me before and said like, Juan, the, the referee told me that the, you can coach me. You can tell me when we're in the same side rather than the opposite. And, I, and that moment killed me because I said, oh, can I can speak? And I just blocked myself. I didn't know what yeah, to yeah. say with that open,
0: that,
2: so that freedom, I was like, so was was was? It's not easy to to no. to speak like like all no. the time. Don't need it. Don't need no. it. It's no. just some details and make sure that that the player is on the point all the time. Yeah, and I, that's I, it.
0: Yeah, and I th- I think my only thing on it is it depends on what level you're playing because obviously it becomes a little unfair. That at some a certain level, so if we go to the futures level, maybe fifteen twenty percent of players have coaches, you know. So do they? Should they gain that advantage to have a, to have someone being able to to openly coach them when somebody's traveling without the coach? And I think that's that's my only difficulty with it. If if yeah. if if you're in, if you're in, we're in a position where all coaches are there. Then, then I absolutely think it would be a welcome addition. And, and, I, and I did, I mean, I absolutely loved, there's a, there was a, an exhibition tournament, Battle of the Brits, that I, that I watched with yeah. all the top British players. And what they did is they, they actually put, put the coaches on the headsets so you can hear them speak. And the messages were so simple. They so were the simple. One, like, And probably the messages were legal. You know, they actually, you know, quite often it was, it was just encouragement and you know you're doing yeah. you're doing great you know you can do this you know and just yeah. give it giving them that emotional support and i thought that was really insightful but juan and also bruno i know that i haven't got to say goodbye to bruno uh, on the podcast it's brilliant talking to you mate um and and i think it's fascinating i think it's a fascinating subject and i think people will will really enjoy it i know i i, I will i've learned a lot today and i hope you and your beautiful wife and daughter are good and hopefully yeah, we'll know, get We'll get to catch up soon.
2: Yeah. Thank you very much. I hope uh, people understood me because my English is not the best, I know. But I think um, I really enjoy it. Thank you very much.
0: Thanks, Juan. A brilliant conversation, boys. Thank you to Juan and Bruno um, miss you guys, uh, everyone at the academy sends their love and best wishes and we, we hope to see you guys over back home soon. Uh, hope hope everyone else really enjoyed that, it, it, it really could be another two or three parts that podcast, uh, we only really scratched the surface of of all of the the topics that we could go into, you know, in two, two great tennis nations and uh, two... Contrasting styles, I think, in terms of in terms of how things are done, and I think that's what makes it so so fascinating as well. Uh, but as we talked about on the pod, it's it also comes down to just dealing with human beings at the end of the day, you know, whether they're Spanish, whether they're whether they're British, where, wherever they're from, uh, ultimately we still need to connect with our players as coaches, with parents, and we need to give them good order, order to their game. In order to their life, for us to be able to develop them effectively, and I think that's true for whichever nation we we are in. But there's obviously little, little small details around the different cultures that have a big effect. And I want you all to take away that assistant coach, clay courts are like an assistant coach. You know what sort of things can we put into our different structures and ways of working with players that are are making decisions, challenging our players in different ways without us actually... Having to challenge them <laughs> verbally, and and I think that's a, it's another fascinating conversation. Um, yeah, big shout out to you guys. Thank you for for the continued support. Uh, little update: we now have over eighty countries that are following the podcast. Um, unbelievable, uh, absolutely fantastic. As we move closer to our fiftieth episode, uh, we've got some really exciting guests coming up. We're working hard behind the scenes to get a few big names over the line for you and, you know, really get under the bonnet to to speak to those type of people in ways that they haven't been spoken to before. You know, we don't just want this to be a a five minute interview that can be turned into sound bites. You know, we want this to be real and we really appreciate your support. So please keep sharing it. Uh, We're loving the reviews that you guys are giving us on Apple iTunes. So thank you for that. And, and a big thank you for all the kind messages and people for reaching out. And we look forward to being with you next time. My name is Dan Kiernan. My co-host is John McGann. I promise you he's going to be back soon. He's going to be on a podcast next week. So we, we missed you, John, and we hope to see you soon. And we are Control the Controllables.